Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 14th episode of Talk Local. Today I am joined in studio with uh, the real estate mogul, <laughs> a small business entrepreneur and avid Blackhawks fan, Mark Borst. Mark, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for being patient. I know we're trying out a lot of stuff on here. so no, that's good. That's always good. Yeah. Was that a good enough intro? That's perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think that sums it up, right? Sure. Okay. A little bit of everything. <laughs> um, I, the reason why I put the Avid Blackhawks fan in there was because of you know, the picture with your son. And I know you guys yeah. do a lot of hockey stuff. And the last yeah. time we met, you had the um, the uh, the Blackhawks cap on. So sure. I figured it'd be. Yeah. They're not doing too great this year, but. It's a rough time there. Yeah. It, hockey in general. So. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that we had Joe Jariga on here on Sunday on the Accord Now. And, and um, he's a big Hawks fan. So we did some hockey talk. Yeah. And uh, one of those things is just like, where is that state of the belt of the Blackhawks right now? And do we right. sell? Do we do we maintain? Do we buy some time to see where this really is? Yeah, we need some defense. That's that's the the key thing we're missing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, for my uh, Monday morning quarterback position. <laughs> yeah. Well, Keith looks like he's slower than he used to be, and he's kind of figuring out some things. Um, and it looks like Seabrook's gotten older really quick. Yeah. So, and I think we really miss Jalmerson. Yeah. The loss of him this year was, I think, more than most people anticipated. Yeah. Well. Um, the uh we'll get into like a little bit of the stuff so just to kind of give you the background i'm actually really excited about this because you're a fellow podcaster i am and I so, am. so you're the first one that we've had on here so that's really fun and um what is the name of your podcast so, so people know it's tritown advice givers um website by the same name facebook by the same name tritown advice givers and you've been doing it for a while now uh, yeah, about June of last year. So uh, I just recorded episode 33 or 34 this morning, wow. actually. So Really? Who was yeah. that with? Uh, it was Mike Arnold, Creekside Landscaping. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. That's so, a good one. Yeah. They, yeah. How, is, uh, how do you like it? How do you like the podcasting? It's fun. It's fun. Uh, it's. I didn't know what to expect when I started it, and I... I uh, Meeting other small businesses is really what has taken off for me is just interaction, getting that relationship with those small businesses um, in and around the area that can um, help each other. Basically, I'm trying to uh, create a community of small businesses so that we can kind of lean on each other for marketing ideas Mm -hmm. or um, growing our databases for our individual businesses or whatever. So sure. And that's a, that's a definite need. Yeah. I know it's not as bad as nonprofits when it comes to wearing a million different hats, but it's just about as bad. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, know? yeah. And, um, you wish that you were smart on everything, but it just doesn't happen that way. No. And I think know? that's the big t- takeaway over the past 30 some episodes is that you can't do it alone. And that um, to really grow or scale your business, you have to bring someone else into the folds and put trust in that person, whether earned or given, um, to really help you grow. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I've had that kind of takeaway with ours yet. Yeah. It's been so many different um, conversations. Sure. You know, and so there was Gerard and man, Gerard, do you know Gerard McClendon? I don't. So he comes in hot and he's a television host who's been around for 20 years. And I think he's just at this moment in his life where it's just, he's ready to be unfiltered. And so I knew him at Lakeshore and he just came in. And it was just an awesome conversation about yeah. race and justice and a bunch of stuff like that. So that was fun when Jerry Davidge came in here and uh, we had a lot of conversations about the sociology of being a writer, which is exciting. Yeah, that's and interesting. It's crazy. And yeah. like how well they listen. 
Yeah. You know, um, and then we had Julia Heisman in here from here. And so like, it's been, it's a diverse cast of characters mm-hmm. um, and it's not all business owners. You know, we've been messing around with um, coach Pishker from Andrain came in here um, yeah. and he's been an old mentor of mine. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been eclectic and diverse. Yeah. But, and, and I think I've had a little bit of that too. I've had some nonprofits in and, and um, some other people and it's really about the relationship. It doesn't matter where, if it's a business relationship or just relationships in general, um, that I think coming together as a community um, and being able to cross that business line or that nonprofit line or whatever those lines are, just being in a community atmosphere is helpful, beneficial for all of us. Sure. And yeah. you've been, and um, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you in because it's kind of timely for you to promote a little bit. But speaking of community, you've been doing a thing called the Impact Club, which you got the shirt on now. Correct. Correcting that. Correct. So, um, well, uh, you know what, before we start talking about that, we you did bring a clip. And yeah. so um, I don't know how we're going to be in and out of this right now. I really don't. Um, maybe we'll try to do the same thing as the open, Jeff. But if you want to show that and uh, fire that clip off, go ahead and let me know if that, how that's going. But um, so that's the Impact Club. And Good. the clip that we just saw there was uh, all of you. Um, or your, your, is that your partner? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Ryan he, Fletcher. Yeah. Ryan Fletcher is up mm-hmm. there. He's talking about a little bit of. Um, the background of the Impact Club. So if you can, I mean, what is, give us a little bit of background on it. Uh, So the background, October of 2016, um, we were actually in a business mastermind group and we got stuck there for um, a hurricane. We actually got stuck in a house in Orlando. Um, We all got delayed two or three days leaving our business meeting. Um, And we were trying to kind of brainstorm something how we could all give back from our businesses into our local communities. Uh, And the business group is people from all over North America, um, US, Canada, and there's actually a guy from New Zealand in the group. So when we were there, we were just trying to come up with a way that we could all give back to our individual local communities. And there is actually a a group called the 100 men men that give a damn um, that's in a couple parts of the country and it was really a takeoff on them so it's trying to bring as many local people together chipping in a hundred dollars each um, and giving back to a local charity um, that those hundred people actually or the people that are in the group actually nominate so it's kind of uh, self-fulfilling i guess that's cool yeah so it's the easiest way to to describe it is uh, crowdfunding for charities so our event coming up is March 5th, and we're doing it at 9585 uh, Brew Pub. Billy Mix, great guy. Yep, yep. Um, so we're having it over there. Uh, last time we had, the, our first event was in November. We had about 40 people there. Cool. We're hoping to double or, or plus the double um, for our next event. Those 80 people that we hope get three nominations each for the charity, and then out of that big group of charities, we actually draw three out of a hat. Those three top three are invited to give their presentation the night of that event. They get five five minutes to give their spiel, uh, and then all those people that are there that night get to vote for the person, and the che- the person walks out with a check, basically. Oh charity. wow! So that so five minutes all, is pretty serious. It is pretty serious, <laughs> uh, and it's all about their story. It's it's really about them being able to relate their story of what their charity is to the group. Cool. So there's yeah. kind of so it's working in both. You've got the the entrepreneurs and the small business owners and the, mm-hmm. the people who just want to be involved. 
they're in kind of the group setting and they've right. kind of committed to at least putting in X amount of dollars. Right. $100 a quarter. $100 a quarter. Yep. And so then you, how do you prospect the charities and how can charities reach out to maybe be a part of that five minutes? So it's really about someone in the group and they can have a representative join the group, but someone has to nominate them. Okay, so the nomination process is that's where that works. Right. And then after the nominations, it's really about chance. It's about drawing those three out of the hat. Cool. Um, if for any reason those top three can't do it, then we actually draw 10 out. So the top 10 are, you know, basically in contention. If any of those first three can't go, we just kind of go down the list. Our first event, the first three people we called, of course, jumped on it. Um, and I, there's 15 clubs around the country. I don't, I haven't heard of any clubs not saying yes i want to be a part of something because it's free money for them sure and exposure so even the two groups that didn't win the first time they got great exposure with our our people and we've actually been able to set them up with other things oh it's a beautiful outside the club so it's really about their story and and resonating with the people in the group yeah well it's funny because in being an old nonprofit man you know and being in that world you just don't get a chance to talk to that much of an audience that that intense of an audience Right. That's actually paying attention. That actually cares mm-hmm. very often. I don't think that ever happened in my three years at Lakeshore. Right. right. <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's a great room to talk to, and it's one that you can really kind of make a difference in. Is there any vetting process when it comes to the charities alone, or outside of the nominations? Uh, they have to be local to Northwest Indiana. Um, they have to be a registered five hundred one c three, and we'd like them to be um, in existence for over a year. So they have some kind of cool. structure and purpose. So you know. We don't want any startups, basically. So have you given any money out yet? Uh, so the first event, uh, which was in November, we gave uh, just under 4000 to Hannah's Hope out of Portage. Um, and it was a mom who lost a daughter at a young age to wow. uh, an in utero disease. Um, so it was a very heartwarming, passionate story. And that's what resonated with the group that was there. So Sure. And yeah. that sounds like a great thing. So what, did, what, did you say, what is Hannah's Hope doing for, for now as like a daily routine? So they do a couple things. Um, they actually just uh, built a playground out in Portage that is wheelchair and handicap accessible um, awesome. at one of the, the local parks. And then they also, so if your child is handicapped and you need assistance buying supplies for the house to adapt the house to that uh, the handicapped child's needs, they will pitch in for that family and help them buy those kind of things. Oh, super cool. Yeah. So it, she's giving back to the community that that she was unfortunately a part of. Wow. So just to be clear, so when you when these people go there and they're the part of, like, say, the audience side of it, mm-hmm. they're going to be giving away that $100 every quarter, yep. and they're not seeing that money back. That is just Correct. that is just strictly into that because I did a little research on impact. Um, what was that? Impact investing, okay. and it was like, well, you you give the hundred dollars into it, and then eventually it's like kind of like a stipend to say, all right, well, eventually we're going to need that money back at least a little yep. bit in some kind yeah. of dividend. So this is literally like a charitable it's, give. It's charity, they get a tax write off slip from the charity um, back. So that's yeah, awesome. It's a straight straight giveaway. And this all started in a house. And the conversation in being a, stranded in a house in Orlando, yeah, with a bunch of guys that are in business. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, what was the uh, what was the trip for? Is that a golf trip? Uh, it was our. We have a twice a year, just kind of mastermind, getting together, hanging out. Um, wow, it's like 
partly business, partly hanging out type cool. thing. Yeah. The only thing I have like that is a golf trip with my friends. Yeah. We Similar. do it every year. Similar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no meeting of the minds. We just do a lot of gambling, <laughs> I think, for the most part. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's an awesome thing. And so you've said that you got the next one March 5th. March 5th. And so that's a major component. I think that, so like you and I, we met about, what, two months ago, mm-hmm. month and a half roughly. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we talked about was just how to solidify time and make time for things that you're doing because it's hard to multitask and you've got a lot going on. They do. do. The intro didn't do you any justice. (laughs) This is just adding on to it. So you've got the real estate side Mm -hmm. and that is bigger than people think because I feel like, you know, when you just own a realty, that's one thing, but you've got a little bit more, you're a little more ambitious with it. Yeah. So I have uh, a brokerage. We, including myself, we have 11 agents um, and then we have a property management division. We have like 60, 60 plus doors that we manage um, for f- mostly investors um, outside of the region, but there are some inside of the region investors that we're managing their properties for. Um, and then actually just recently we partnered with a mortgage company. Awesome. So we got mortgage going, um, commercial division, and then the podcast, which is non-revenue producing, but it takes up a lot of time, but I love it. So it's fruitful. It is. I know for us, we're trying to implement this Facebook live side of it. So, um, I didn't, I never started these with the idea of making money. I I looked at this as just an exposure tool Mm -hmm. and I, and and to build relationships really. Right. And that's, that's been 100% above board. I think a lot of it now is just that when it comes to the Facebook Live side of it and the new software is that you can start to find those ways to naturally do some sure. on-air advertising, which is really cool. And hopefully yeah. that happens at one point. We're building a lot of steam, um, but we'll see. And right? I think that's the key, though. If you go into it thinking, I'm going to be a millionaire tomorrow from it, it's never going to happen. Yeah. But if you let it evolve, then you might make some something from it eventually. You know. Sure. Yeah. And I know it doesn't always feel like love. I'm sure Jeff can attest in the hour that came into this. Um, <laughs> preparation, but um, it's it's really one of those things that we just it's just a real big passion project that we're just we're doing what we love and hopefully the monetization of that stuff comes behind it. Sure. And so that's really been the, the spark of it all. And like like you, we share that mission of just we really want to be a part of the community. Yeah. And in a way that media should be. Yeah. Definitely. You know? And so that's a it's an ambitious task, and we've been doing that. But um, it's just really interesting because. One of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about is now that I've become a small business owner and I I owned a travel baseball organization uh, probably five, six years ago. And so I dealt with it a little bit. But I think there's a lot of people listening that um, through the networking that we've done that are small business owners themselves. And so kind of having those conversations about what it's like and things that work and what doesn't work and how Mm -hmm. you can do that things. Is there anything right off the top of your head that maybe you have would be one of the keys of advice, whether it's from yourself or one of the people you've interviewed from your podcast? I think one of the biggest takeaways is that you can't do it alone. And if you try to burden yourself with doing everything, it you're only going to be as big as you are. So you can't do that much impact in whatever field you're in. Um, a one-man show is only can only be as big as you. So um, some people are happy with that, I guess. But I think most business people get into business because they don't want to be working 90 hours a week and stressing about everything. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it's really hard to give up that control, I guess, is, is the best thing. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to give up control and give up, you know, a process of, of your passion or your job. Um, 
So I think that's one of the biggest things. It's so hard. It and is. Because you just want to be like, you know, you want to put your best foot forward at all times. Mm-hmm. And you've got a specific vision of what that should be. And so when that starts to get complicated, it starts to become a little more intense. Mm-hmm. And so how do you build those structures? And so, like, I mean, we'll just go through like what you've got going on, right? So just of, just so from your story, um, I'm sure you didn't just start a, a brokerage with 14, what did you say, 11? 11, yeah. 11, 11 brokers or 11 realtors in there or agents. I think agents is the term. Um, so you started from somewhere, right? And so yeah. like, how did you start to scale? And when did you know that you had to start scaling upward? Uh, it's kind of a crazy, so I was working for another brokerage, obviously when I got into the business. Okay. And so Um, you started as an agent, started as an agent, um, which back when I got my license, you might've been able to go straight to broker, but now you can't even do that. You have to work for somebody else for a period of time. Oh, cool. Um, before you can just jump in. Uh, so I had that, uh, I, I got my license in Oh five. Um, obviously in 07, the, the whole market kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually spun off another business and we managed foreclosures at that point. I started that in 08. Um, at the same time, I was still with my other agency and I was paying fees, but not really doing too much real estate. Nobody was doing too much real estate. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to open my own thing. And, uh, just basically to hold my own license at the beginning. Sure. Because um, it was cheaper for me to do that than to be paying somebody else. Um, so I did that. And uh, within a couple months, I had some people reach out to me and say, hey, what are you doing over there? Um, we want to come come over with you. You know, what's your deal? So I kind of had to put together a plan because I had no plan on bringing other, other agents in at first. Oh, wow. So that's uh, really organic. It was. Um, so... Yeah, I threw together a plan of how I could bring agents on, and you know they just kind of trickled in. I've never really recruited anybody. Um, it's either been word of mouth, or I've known the person, the people personally from transactions in the past, or I worked with them at my past brokerage or whatever. So it really was organic. Um, so the whole time at the beginning, from 08 to the middle of 15, I was really concentrated on my other business, and the the real estate kind of grew itself, the real estate brokerage. Um, like I said, I've never recruited, I've never never really promoted that I was hiring anybody. Huh. So I just, I mean, I guess it's my personality and I guess <laughs> I'm a really easygoing guy, um, but if, if I know that you're in the right, I'm gonna fight for you. So my agents really like that because they know if they've done something correct in a transaction or if they've done something wrong. They come to me and they need help in a transaction. I'm gonna first of all tell them, listen, you screwed this up and you need to try to fix it or I can try to help you fix it, but you screwed up or you did the exact right thing and I will go to bat for you and fight to get what whatever's supposed to be done. done. Well, that's an awesome uh, set of skills for a leader. Yeah. 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 So I I think that's really is what has helped me grow. Which is funny you say it like that because that's, it doesn't feel like as an outsider of the real estate world, it feels like that's kind of been the opposite approach for most people today. And it seems like a lot of brokerages are going the, if we're talking about growing it organically, it seems to be a lot more aggressive when it comes to growth. And Mm. it seems to be really marketing reliant. Mm-hmm. And so is that what you've kind of seen from uh, from being an insider? I mean, I could talk for hours about the whole real estate thing. Um, yeah, I mean, the it goes right down to how 
how people sell, how I sell, how most of my agents sell. We're not out knocking on people's doors. We're not doing the typical real estate stuff, I think. When you think of real estate, associate it with a used car salesman, associate it with whatever the low industry. Um, we're not like that whatsoever. So, and I think that's a personality thing. Like you don't have to do those things to be an awesome real estate agent or a good real estate agent. And I think some of those other companies push it that you have to do it our way or you're no good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they market it that way. Like you need to come and do things our way and we'll help you do it. But if you're not that type of person, it doesn't matter. No, right. Yeah. So, you know, you can't force someone to go knock on somebody's door to try to sell real estate. Right. You can tell somebody all you want, but you can't force them to do it. Well, you know, door-to-door sales is an intense thing. I don't, I don't know if how many people are doing that. That's insane. You'd it's, be surprised. Really? With real estate in particular, huh? Yes. Wow. Because uh, that wouldn't be my approach. Uh, no. I'll, t- I'll tell you. Right. I, I think that's what's very interesting about it is that it feels like every single realtor is branding themselves through some sort of video right now. Mm-hmm. It feels that way. And so where does where does that trend, how, what does that right now look like and what does that trend look like in the future? Because at one point it's going to come down to who's doing it the best, I guess. And that's really strange because now it's a competition outside of what you're actually selling. So again, back to the I could talk about real estate forever. <laughs> so I don't believe in any of that stuff as far as real estate goes. I think it's about the relationships that I can build myself um, because it if I know someone and they know me, it doesn't matter how glitzy of a of prom- promo video I can make about myself like it, it's about the properties that we're dealing with and I think that's my approach in real estate I I focus on the value of the property um, where a lot of realtors are promoting themselves so we're definitely in that me me society it doesn't matter if it's real estate or anything it's sure. about look at me look at me look at me um, but for for my aspect of real estate, it's not like that. It's about you need to look at this house because it's an investment. Um, whether it's an actual investor doing it, the buying, or if it's just a regular homeowner, it's still an investment. Sure. So for a buyer, if they can walk into a house and have $20,000 equity, um, I've done them a favor, you know, I've done, not even a favor. I've done my job to get them the best deal that they can. Um, and as a seller, I want to try to get them the most money they can out of presenting their product the best. Yeah, and that market seems insane right now. It is. It seems yeah. like, and I don't know if it's because I'm jaded by being in Crown Point, but it just seems like as soon as a house is on the market, and I don't care who's selling it, it seems like it's gone. It is. It is. And, uh, well, to an extent. Not like okay. it was in 05, 06, right, when I got in. Um, because I think the buyers now in today's market are a little bit more discerning. So back then, it didn't matter how crappy the house was, it was selling. Um, now, if there's if it's way overpriced or if the condition of the house is bad, they're not selling. But you are right. If stuff is priced moderately correct, in good condition, it's selling rather quickly. Man, I, I, got, a, I got a story for you when it comes to mine. So I was in Crown Point about three years ago. Well, you know, you know that you're drinking that beer. I'll throw it out here. So this is um, Crown. the guys at Crown Brewing, Dave and... Uh, Zach over there, they they gave us a, they've been we've made this deal a to blueberry. Where gonna, is it a blueberry cream ale? That's not, yeah, that's what it tastes. I don't like. even know how to say that. Is that Beauregard? 
yeah. Pure, yeah. Beauregard. Beauregard. Yeah, Beauregard sounds about right. It's a Beauregard Blue. It's a cream ale with natural flavors. The guys at Crown Brewing have given us to this uh, weekly. And so uh, I asked you yesterday what kind of beer you liked, and you said you're not picky, and neither am I. So I told him just to kind of dealer's choice and tell me what it is. Yeah. And it smells great, but yeah. Hmm. It's It's definitely smooth. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, so going back to that, the um. I was selling my house and I had like a major set of unfortunate circumstances happen. And I, I went through a real estate agent, you know, Nick Malici from Macaulay. And uh, we, he's a friend of mine from back in the day, like you said, relationships for the most part. And um, we had a condo and it was in Hamilton Square and it was crazy. So we got home from Christmas one day and the cops were outside of the unit. It was a four unit. And which is rare, but, it, you know, you're thinking like maybe something, you know, maybe it was a, maybe some type of, you know, you know domestic right. argument or whatever. But it turns out apparently like uh, my, my wife went outside to let the dog out. She comes back in and she comes in with cops and it's like, well, that's interesting. That never happened. So I think I was just about to play video games or something. So I, I sent down my headset and I go in there. I'm like, so what's going on? You know, and they're like, well, we just wanted to kind of let you know what's happened. Uh, so, uh, you know, did you guys hear a loud bang at any point? And we're like, no. Well, it turns out the woman who we did an adjoining wall with, she committed suicide. Mm. And uh, it's a horrible story. But essentially what happened is, is that she ended up, um, the, her family ended up taking the, the condo and they just priced it at like $30,000 less just to get rid of it. And totally screwed our resale. Fire sale. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like they, that that whole incident, like in the time, it's like you're just feeling bad for the people and the person. You always do, you know. Um, but it's like that also, you don't realize that when it comes to selling, that's going to cost you 10 to 15 grand potentially too. Mm-hmm. So that was an intense thing. Um, do you see a lot of circumstances like that? And if there's any way of like, how is that, is that current real estate system reflective of off the appraisal and property value? Because I think that's one of the questions that I would have if I were to be selling mine now. There's no easy answer to that. I mean, okay. I, it definitely has to be around the appraisal um, because that's who gives you the money. So if you're taking a mortgage out on a house, it has to appraise um, for the value. But there are certain things that you can do to the house to prepare um, prepare the house for the appraisal, prepare the house for sale, prepare. It, it's the preliminary stuff that's done um, to get the house ready and how you position the house, how you market it. Um, so there are things to try to combat that. And if it comes down to appraisal, there's ways to, um, there's ways to open the appraiser's eyes, I guess is the best way see, to see That it. would be fantastic yeah. fodder. So how is that? Because it seems like it's just no matter what you do. Well, it it's much harder since whatever the CFPB, all the regulations came down on the appraiser. So there can be interaction between the appraiser and the listing agent. So it's really about a com- uh, a conversation and showing them, this is why I think, this is why I think, and then backing it up with something. So you have to, you can't just pull something out of the air and say, this is, this is what I think. So right, you have right, to think right. so too. Right. Um, but there's definitely, there's definitely ways to approach it and ways to um, to show them the light. I guess that's. Is there any? Can you disclose any of those ways for the listener? Um, At least maybe one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's really uh, specific to the situation, so it all depends. Um, so, like, for we'll take my house for example. 
Well, so it's four, it's four bedroom. It's about 2,400 square feet. It's got three car garage and an unfinished basement. Okay. No landscaping, shitty backyard. <laughs> and it would depend if it came under appraisal. So it, I'll actually go to an example. I just had an appraisal. It's a, it was a two bedroom, two bathroom, townhouse, very high end, $465,000. Wow. Um, in St. John, the appraisal came back a little bit low, but we were able to document why we thought it was the value it was. And some of it was the artistic paint job that went in. It, and I don't even want to call the guy a painter. He was an artist and he had about $20,000 worth of his artwork on the walls, which interesting, the, which the appraiser originally, you know, it's paint to the appraise, to the appraiser originally. Right. Um, once we pointed that out, um, produce some receipts and other things like that. And then, then we did get the appraisal um, closer to where we needed. So, well, that's cool. Yeah. So it's really, it's not one specific thing. It, it's just being able to um, work for your client. I guess. So, so how does, if you're my real estate agent, how does hosting a talk local podcast, how does that help my value from an appraisal side? <laughs> Not at all. Unfortunately, I'm not, not the all. appraiser, so yeah. <laughs> no, it's all humbling. I yeah. understand. Yeah. Uh, the uh, it's an interesting thing, and one thing I wanted. To, so there's two things I really wanted to talk about from a real estate side, and feel free to shift gears anytime yeah, you want. Yeah. Ask me questions. Feel free. Okay. Um, but the I see like the the weird thing I see is technology is such a like a a, a curmudgeon in a way because you either have to accept it or you kind of like you or you kind of fall behind the times. Do you see a potential in future real estate where for sale by owner is going to take precedent over the agent um, because of the ability of technology? How you frame that? No, but I understand what you're saying. And absolutely. Like the the idea of the real estate agent, the way it works today is on the way out. Um, there's companies, not necessarily in Northwest Indiana, but there's brokerages outside in bigger cities is where they're starting, but it's all technology driven. Um, and the agents are actually paid hourly or salary versus sure. a commission base. Um, and actually the, our business partner in New Zealand, um, has actually gone to a consultant, um, based fee structure. So it's more like a lawyer. Um, he has a retainer up front and then he's hourly after that. And he saves people an average of like ten thousand dollars a transaction. Um, Whoa! I mean, we're talking about a different market, and that's New Zealand, and you know, prices are different. And um, but it, it's definitely going to not just a straight percentage, and you need to show your value, and and you you can't just stick a sign in my yard and expect to make the kind of money that people are making into the future with exactly what you said, the technology, because with AI and other platforms out there that simple menial tasks are being automated. So someone doesn't have to pay for them at that point. So it has, it, it will flush out eventually. What the timeline is for that, I don't know, but Crazy. It, it, it will. Cause it's funny, like maybe it's cause I'm in marketing and that's what I care about, but it feels like with, with when real estate agents are pushing as much marketing as they are, if people are paying attention, then it seems like they're giving them the blueprint on how to sell it themselves. Sure. 
you know? Yeah. And so that's what's kind of fascinating about it. It's like while we're in a rush to kind of get exposure from mm-hmm. notoriety, you're also kind of attributing to the potential end of the traditional real estate model, which is weird. Well, and now you're getting into some other stuff on the real estate side. So inside, as a, a licensed real estate agent, um, I don't even know what the timeline of it is, but the advent of Zillow mm-hmm. and the fact that we willingly put our listings onto Zillow, then Zillow turns around and tries to sell us back leads as a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. So they're collecting all the data. They have the they have our data that we give them. And then they're collecting the people that want the data. They're collecting their contact information. And then they turn around and sell it back to realtors at a pretty penny like yeah well i know a lot of those budgets go to zillow a lot of those marketing budgets for real estate agents are going there oh yeah you know but it's our it's crazy it's our data to begin with (laughs) yeah yeah we give them for free and then they literally turn around and sell it back to agents for in the thousands of dollars a month unbelievable yeah so i mean that's a whole nother conversation um based on how the real estate industry as a whole sold itself out crazy it is <laughs> it is and what what, what 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 like i guess what makes that happen is it because of just you know people just you know as a whole just starting to think that it becomes the precedent mm-hmm. and so people well, are like it, following steps at that point. now it is now it is at the beginning I, I it's hard to say why it all happened at the beginning and I don't know when Zillow started to get as big as they are, but I think it was during the real estate downturn. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got a you've got an audience that's trying as hard as they possibly can to move the stuff they can right. because they're, it's a sales thing. They're looking for any avenue they can yeah, yeah. to get exposure for their their listing. Um, so then you have this platform come and say, "Ah, we're the solution. <laughs> uh, just give it to us, and yeah. we'll we'll help you. It'll sell your house." Which there's some truth to that. I mean, the more exposure you get, sure, the more exposure you get, but um, it shouldn't have been given to them. I think that's the end result um, or the wow. the end philosophy is it shouldn't be given to them. It should have been sold to them maybe, but then who sells it to them? Right, right. Because we as individual brokers have an agreement with the local MLS here who has an agreement with the national Association of Realtors who has an agreement with with uh, Zillow. So there's lots of people that are at fault along the way, um, but that's the reality of it. And just like you said, technology is going to be the, the beast that bites the realtor in the ass later on. It's what it feels like, at least yeah. in the current model system, because mm-hmm. that's I think that's what's so fascinating is, is that when you look at it from a distance, it's like a, you're seeing a change in real time. Mm-hmm. The traditional aspects of like, the MLS is is God, right? And you're throwing everything up there, right? And then everyone's all the realtors got to rely on that to schedule showings. We're living in a world now where you can pretty much find out who lives at every address by on your own, mm-hmm. and make make something happen on the backside of any deal. And so it's really fascinating to see it. And so you've got the marketing side really expanding fast. It seems like every realtor right now literally is having a have doing video. And I saw one, and I'm not trying to call out anybody. I saw one in particular that just made no sense to me. <laughs> and it was the uh, I, I don't I don't yeah, even the, know the guy's name. The I don't I, I don't even know the name of the guy. I, I so I, I can't I can't call him out for it. But um, it was a it was a business overview video with nine five eight five, 
And I'm thinking oh, to myself, I, I and I'm thinking yeah. to myself, like, what is the final end game with that? Right. Are you being a television host? Because right. I don't know. You didn't mention real estate at all in that thing. And then so and like Put the logo down in the corner or something. Is that what it is? I I don't know what his game was, but I I saw what you're talking about. Okay, I and saw it's just the same like video. so. Yeah. At this point, we're just creating content. At this, you know, like it's just like what is the what what's the reason why I should be watching that, and how is that how is that adding value to what you do for full time? Right. I didn't. I don't get it. And like, even with what we're doing here, it's like I try to. We try to package these original series in like eight to ten episodes, and so and we try to hit it when it comes to that stuff. And so for like even seeing that, it's like if I wanted to go launch a business overview series, I would. I would try to line up eight to ten. Right. And then we. That's a tough enough schedule for us to do. So for an independent contractor who's not doing television to go start a business overview series with one in mind, with no plan of attack of how to release any of them following, seems insane to me. But I guess it's doing something. I I don't want to harp on anybody, but I I went to his site to follow, because I saw it on Facebook, so I went, and I'm like, oh, is this guy doing other stuff? That was the only thing on there. Yeah, and it's like... So I I don't know. So I don't get it. Like, and so like, and that's maybe one of the things that makes, I'm just talking ROI. Like I'm all for video. Clearly I'm in a digital media company. I'm all for video. I think it's a great thing. It's just when you, that's what makes it that industry. So is particularly interesting though, Mm -hmm. is that there's so much content being created. I don't think, I think it's all kind of throwing it at the wall to see what kind of works. Well, and I think some of that is Vanderchuk and he's killing it for them. There's lots of other people that are just saying, just do content, just do content. And they don't, these people don't have a game plan or the long term vision for it. They just want to put out content somewhere. Yeah. So, no, I see what you're saying. It's, it's just, just, it's random, haphazard. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, even when it comes to like critiquing, I guess, any kind of media is like the podcast thing to me, what you're doing on the small business side seems to make more sense because you're creating relationships with people. Mm -hmm. So you have that ROI as just being able to develop friendships. And that's exactly what we're doing. I mean, it's not and that's not manipulative. Right. It's not that still becomes down like a conversation to conversation and whatever Mm -hmm. that whatever they want to do with you. You know, you're not forcing anybody to do anything. And so it's all relationship driven. And then you've got a, a consistent schedule of mm-hmm. content coming out to where people can start to follow along. It seems to make sense to me. It's just the ones that are coming up and down and up and down. It's just yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird one, you know? But and, what are you going to do? And the real estate the as a whole, there's so many people out there trying to give them advice or give them this. And they listen to like this snip over here and this snip over here. And, the, and then they try to jam it all together, but there's no cohesive long-term plan for any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a lot of it is because they just listen to the noise versus like focusing on one channel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so. cool. It's a great effort. And the video yeah. wasn't bad. Right. It was a good video. It yeah. was something that I would air. It yeah. was like, oh, we could, that could, that could work. Yeah. But it's just now, how do you do nine more? Right. Right. Cause there's no way you're paying someone to put that video together. You're doing it yourself. And then mm-hmm. if you got to do nine more, that means you're not out there making relationships and selling houses. Right. So then what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what are we doing it for? Yeah. And so that was just a fascinating one. And then so like that's interesting from the marketing side and how that's kind of skyrocketed. And then just the change in technology, which we've already talked about, which is just like from an outsider. Yeah. It's fascinating. You and, know. And and honestly, the the technology is rolling. The, the technology inside real estate is keeping pace with the technology outside real estate. But the training and how realtors are approaching the business hasn't changed in 50 years and that's the problem 
And that's a good point. Yeah. And so how does that evolve? With the elimination of the realtor. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. and maybe not the elimination of it altogether, but the elimination of the present model. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's just not going to it's not going to work. And what a fascinating I mean, I wonder. I mean, you said you had your your partner from New Zealand, who seems to be mm-hmm. kind of ahead of this ahead of the, this model when it comes to trying to at least figure something out that might be not the traditional model. Right. And I'm sure he's not the only one. I'm sure there's a race to oh, figuring yeah. that out right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's fascinating. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting to see from out there because no other service industry is is in such uh, the eye of the hurricane of change like the real estate market seems to be. Sure. Mortgage lending seems to be the same way to get mm-hmm. exposure as it was 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, and uh, being a lawyer, it's like you, you do the same, you know, antiquated systems of billboards and cheesy commercials <laughs> and you get that, you know, and it's yeah. like, that's all cool. And, but it's like the real estate one is the first one that you see a real culture conflict from and it, and it seems to be from like an older and younger generation and like that kind of aspect too which is fascinating but you know what i think the real the real reason for that is is because you can question how much a realtor gets paid more than you can question how those other people get paid that's true because you're talking about the percentage right up front mm-hmm. essentially and, and that's everybody, fascinating everybody deals on a similar model but it's just the a lawyer is obviously not a percentage. They're a flat fee. You know it up front. You know that it's going to be whatever, $250 an hour, $500 an hour, whatever they're charging. And you generally only need them when you're in trouble. Right. No one's really being proactive in the legal game. Right. Most people should be, but. Right. So that I think that's part of the race to the bottom in real estate is, you know, traditional, anywhere from 5 to 7% is what you're getting charged. But then there's some guy that comes in and says, I'll do it for four, and then three, and then two. And then now there's one percenters out there. So there's always that that financial aspect race to the bottom where nobody's really talking about what they're doing for their clients. It's more mm-hmm. of how much cheaper can I do whatever minimum I'm going to do for you. Um, so that's why people, I think, why people question it more and why they're looking for other ways to, to get around it crazy yeah that's crazy <laughs> so if you so i'll switch gears a little bit here so i know we've we've hit that pretty hard um <laughs> pretty to say the least um when it comes down to just i guess from a communal side of things uh i mean are you a long time region resident i'm not uh i've been here since 2000 2000 so you're you're definitely one now at this point I, I am, 18 yeah. years in yeah um i've lived here longer than i've lived anywhere including where i grew up so yes i'm i guess i'm from here now <laughs> and so uh being so that's a that's an interesting perspective what is it being so like if you're coming in in 2000 2018 how is what does this community look like in your eyes is it um is it something that's kind of already kind of come to fruition is it coming to fruition oh, no, is it I, I on think, the upswing downswing i think there's a lot of room in the region um all the way up to the shoreline i think the gary whiting east chicago area um, will hit a strong comeback in the next few years um, just based on the potential of the real estate itself like the proximity to the water and all the things that that has to offer, um, I think will carry the bad omen of all that area and start to eliminate it. It's going to take a lot from a lot of different people, but I think that behind the scenes, there's a lot of that starting to happen already from what I've seen a couple of the groups that I'm involved with. So, um, 
I think there's a ton of potential. And down south, like there's so much land that you can just keep going south and right and you know build this or build that or whatever. So there's no landlock issues. There's no any of that. Um, and then even the the community, the tighter communities like Crown Point downtown is exploding. Valpo downtown is exploding. Even Whiting downtown is really exploding. I went down there for a Lake Area United Way Young Professionals meeting, and it was on the beach. And I cannot believe how much that changed since the last time mm -hmm. I was there. It was like a yeah. completely different world. Yeah. They're killing it over there from a political side. Yeah, yeah. So I think all of that stuff... Um, kind of coming together is helping everybody else to see like you know we can do something here it's you know we're unfortunately the redheaded stepchild from chicago from indianapolis from michigan um, but i think being in that position where we are in the country like the the water gateway down there from that 94 corridor i think has a huge potential and what do you see from that in the future and maybe that way that they can develop that to really kind of take advantage of maybe that geographic location I, I guess think, that's the million dollar question, right? Yeah. And and I think getting away from um not not changing what it is, but some of the the areas that are undeveloped right now to develop them in public areas, not not necessarily uh residential real estate, but um potentially uh multi units with commercial on the bottom apartments up top Man, something like a, to a downtown feel to it um and just draw more people down there so it's the place to be type thing and uh do you know eric zoso i do i just actually interviewed him no way no week. way because yeah. i was gonna say that sounds right up his alley yeah yeah that that whole yeah. uh, provito thing that he's got going yeah. on is amazing and it's it's definitely leading into that direction yeah yeah, he's uh, yeah. Him and I hashed out um, on the podcast some of the things that I thought could be um, potentially issues that he would have to figure out how oh, to cool. address. Oh, cool! Have to listen to that one. Yeah, um, I think we're dropping that this week. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely other things than how the traditional real estate. I'm going to buy this or I'm going to rent this. Mm -hmm. um, there are other people that are doing stuff that is similar to what he's his thought process is. So I think as far as the the living situation, um, even that might change, and that could blow up real estate as well. Sure, know, how sure. How things are done. And so you're, when you're talking about that 94 corridor and you're talking about the lake, you're talking about Whiting, you're talking about potentially East Chicago, you're talking about Gary, which are traditionally incredibly urban areas. Mm -hmm. And so what i guess again another million dollar question and if you had the answer to this you probably would be you know understand it all um but what part do you see in like because the one thing that the way that the region's kind of been um the, the the identity that we have it seems to me is that we've got north of 30 we got south of 30 and we got east of 65 and that yeah. seems to be the three tri-town areas but none of that includes gary which has probably got the most potential from a development standpoint. For sure. Right? For sure. And so what gets that kick-started? Because if Gary becomes the metropolis for this area that it potentially was in the past, it changes the dynamics of the entire area. And so I think that's the crown jewel in a way. But how do you what, – what do we need to see from that to kind of see that growth and that development? I think a big um – a big employer that's not industrious. So 
you know, we all bid on the Amazon thing or they bid on the Amazon thing with the help of surrounding towns. Obviously, they didn't even get picked for the top 20 in that. But the fact that they were able to get a plan together, I think is what so many people are excited about because they all were talking to each other. They were all collaborating on this deal. And I've heard that they've actually had some interest for some, from some other companies to possibly relocate to that area. And cool. I think that could be a huge jumpstart um, to bring some non-industrious jobs into the region that, that uh, people are excited about working there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and does that does that include gentrification? Yeah, I mean, stuff will happen. You know. <laughs> you know what? Whatever happens to it, um, I think that it will be organic in nature. So once it starts to spread, you know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Um, it, well, I know th- I know they're doing a great job of trying to put a different face on it because we, my wife yeah. is Dutch. And there, there's a lot of builders in that in that family, yeah. and uh, one of them in particular um, is doing a lot of reinvesting in Gary, mm-hmm. and uh, they're getting these these lots and these houses for incredible prices, and they're putting in you know the x amount of dollars that it takes every every lot is different, and uh, to turning around and renting them, mm-hmm. and so you're starting to see a rebeautification of it, and they're doing things from it comes to like what's the name of that church, is it Saint Michael's? Is that right? Am I guessing? I, that's definitely mm-hmm. guess. Anybody up, the, up north? Yeah. No, it's not St. Mike's. I'm not sure what it so is. So it's like something. I thought it was St. M something. But um, so they're they're redoing that and they're turning that into like some type of garden center, which is pretty cool. Okay. And so that that'll be like a new venue. And so you're starting to see these changes. It's just, mm-hmm. it seems to be moving slow though. Well, and I was just about to say, I think the key up in Gary is not trying to do Gary. It's trying to do this block on Gary. And then this block and then this block and just take it one block or two blocks at a time. Because if you try to eat the elephant in one bite, it's never going to happen. But if you can take that one bite at a time um, and there are there are a lot of investors that we actually work with in Gary that that's exactly what they're doing. They're buying blocks of six, ten houses at a time and going in and rehabbing them one at a time, getting strong quality tenants in there. Um, That's awesome. And, and just revitalizing it that way. So is there a centralized force behind that movement? Or does it just seem to be kind of all sporadic and everyone's on their own silos doing their own motivations and it just kind of happens to be correlating in the same mission? There's a little bit of the silo, um, but one of the main guys that runs um, Nicaea is what it's called, Northwest uh, Creative Investors Association. Mm. Um the the guy that's running that right now joe um he is really trying to organize it he's one of the main guys that's doing it up there but he's actually started some subgroups of the nicaea group that are just these gary guys so they're trying to get all kind of on the same wavelength um, to get it done and they're actually also bringing in some high school kids and some youth kids to do some of the work awesome um, because joe's actually a teacher in the system up there that's cool. So he's really trying to to do it um, as a community effort, not just as an investor coming in and trying to make money. So that's beautiful. We yeah. need to do a story on him. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to do that one. Yeah, he's a good guy to to uh, talk to. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. an incredible. I mean, man, how talk about ambitious and philanthropic. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. No, that's a that's a fascinating. That's an, I never I never I didn't had no idea that was even going on. Yeah. 
So, I guess, yeah, I guess it's because the you know it's not on a police blotter, and that's the only time we get any information anymore. Unfortunately, that's <laughs> absolutely know? absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, on a local or national level, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's the the communal side of it. I think will will over like eventually kind of take it back to, to being story driven, and I think that's mm-hmm. where we're trying to kind of fill in that void. And we're we're scaling, and it's fun, and I, and that's why I'm so fascinated when I mentioned earlier about like your story and how you scaled because. It seems to be, Dr. You know Bridget Harrison, Mm-mm. awesome person. She's the CEO of Innovations and Learning. It's a okay. it's a uh, nonprofit that's really focused in um, intellectual disabilities, and uh, from like Down syndrome, autism for for that. Maybe people who don't maybe that wasn't a clear enough statement, but um, she was talking about growing her company from zero to pretty much two hundred. And she's going to be on the podcast on three twenty one, which is National Down Syndrome Day, okay. which is awesome. Um, but we didn't like the one thing that she said to me that was very clear and it was from a small business guy it was like beautiful in a way and poetic was if it seems hard you're going in the wrong direction if, if, if everything is hard you're going in the wrong direction and if it starts to feel easy you know you're on the right track mm, yeah yeah i guess there's some, <laughs> there's like, some deep thought into that yeah, but yeah it's very simple yeah and, but it's very concise right and it seems like anytime we've tried to like fit a, a square peg into a round hole it feels hard for sure yeah. And when we're trying to grow faster and so kind of scaling at our pace has been at least what we're trying to do. And so from that media side of things is not while we're I wish we could be bigger than we are right now. It's like there's times where it's just like you got to take back and this has been fun. Right. You know, the podcast side of it. And I think that's that's probably step two, because I think too many people, um, they get discouraged too quick because mm-hmm. it is hard at the beginning. It, it's hard. There's hard times. But I understand what you're saying. If it's. If it's a square peg in a round hole, it's never going to work, and it's always going to be way harder than it ever should be. Yeah, because you meet people every day, and right. if they're not getting involved, then right. that's making it complicated, more right. complicated than it should be. Right. If uh, you're having a hard time when it comes to generating any revenue, yeah, those are the those are the hard. T- that's the right. hard stuff. Is like because right. people will tell you through their actions how they feel, not exactly through their through their words. Sure. You know, yeah, and that's one thing that's been very tough for me when it comes to my growth. When it comes to building this so far, has been everybody is complimentary when you meet them. Sure, everyone's great, and right. you leave there amazing. Right. And you're not really getting the transparent thoughts. Mm-hmm. You do get them; they they burst out like a you know a beam of light every <laughs> once in a while. But most of the time, no one's trying to say anything right. to discourage you. Or and 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 in their defense, it's probably you know I wouldn't do that to anybody either. Right. You know, so it's not unless it was asked. And so it's just a it's been tough to kind of um, take a lot of that compliment and a lot of that positivity, but be able to filter it into a productive place and not let any of that stuff kind of get to you for me. Yeah. And, you know? and I think even if you do have haters out there, because there's haters out there, no matter what you do, no matter how good you are. I think you have to listen to the middle people, though. You yeah. can't listen to the haters that are giving you one stars, and you can't really listen to the cheerleaders that are giving you five stars. It's those people in the middle that maybe give you some criticism, but something that you can act on, or they give you a compliment, but but you know that butt in there. Yeah, this well, was great, but so how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you how do you hard. handle that? It's hard. I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to block out. Um, I think natural emotion or natural human, uh, you know, the human race is doesn't like confrontation and they don't like to be criticized. So it's hard to get that tough skin, I think, for sure. Sure. Um, And then you think on the the positive side, oh, they're just doing it because they have to. 
type thing, um, you need to learn to be able to take a compliment too. And I think that's been um, not an easy task. But the thing that I love about all this stuff is I have a 15-year-old and 11-year-old is trying to give them the learning curve that I've, you know, I'm 44, like taking 44 years to, to get to is trying to get them the tough skin and the being able to take a compliment now when they're this age. Like, it fascinates me, like, thinking about what they could be doing in the future. That's fa- that is fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm a, I, my wife's six months pregnant. Oh, so, congratulations. Thanks. A uh, yeah. little girl. Cool. Um, and so that's definitely in the psyche now. Yeah. Is the future planning and how you want to raise that child. I know mm-hmm. a lot of it is organic and not always planned, at least from a psyche, you sure. know. Um, but you got these moral codes that you're trying to kind of at least develop a little bit, you know. And so it's a, it's it's cool to hear that. It's cool to hear that. And, and I'll, I'll extend the invite to you. I don't know if I'm a huge advocate of mentorship, mm-hmm. huge advocate of it. I think that's where I think I'd want to if, if I were going to start diving in communal wise to nonprofits in particular, I'd like to start going into that role as a mentor yeah. or um, to develop some kind of concept around that. Or like, I love dogs. I think that's another one that I would probably really dive into. <laughs> Kids and animals. Kids and animals. They're, that's an easy one, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if there's any way, if they're ever fascinated about media or anything and they want to yeah. kind of be around a set or a shoot or whatnot, let me know. Yeah, I, no I might take you up on that. Yeah, we'll do. My 15-year-old's at Mount Carmel, and he's actually on the uh, CBN Broadcasting Network. Oh, the cool. The Caravan Broadcasting Network. And they, they don't really take it too seriously, but... Um, Big change there recently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know too much about it, but yeah. People are people are either for it or against it. Yeah. That's all I know. And there's a lot like of speculation is, around it. Yeah, the Frank Lenti resigning fire. Yeah. No longer there, that's... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Seems they have, a good, they have a good person to take over for him, though. Yeah, yeah, Lynch, uh, I think he'll be good for the school. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, is there anything you'd like to add? I mean, did we not do? Is there something we didn't cover? Back to the Impact Club. That's that's okay. Uh, Impact Club March fifth. Reach out. Um, got any questions? Want to be involved? Uh, whether charity or just a person that wants to give back. Um, Four hundred dollars a year basically is what you're committing to, uh, but you can start and stop whenever you want. Um, it's a no pressure situation. So, man, um, and that video was that your house? No, that was at the at at one of our retreat houses. I was gonna say, okay, yeah. like Mark, you're doing pretty well for yourself. That no, house no. looked awesome. I wanted yeah. to go there and check it out. Yeah, no, yeah. When we do the retreat, we have we usually try to get a house that fits like 40 people in it, so they're oh, it looked massive. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, I where could people find you? Uh, they can find the Impact Club on impactclubtritown.com mm-hmm. um, or registerimpactclub.com. Uh, they can find me all over social, Triton Advice Givers, um, me personally, Mark Borst. I'm everywhere. Cool. Well, I yeah. really appreciate having you on. Yeah, thank you. That Thanks really for the time. Awesome. Yeah, if you ever want me on yours, I'll do it. For sure. So that's great. For sure. Um, so thank you again for coming in, Mark. Again, Impact Club, March 5th. Check that stuff out. And uh He's got the, all the social media platforms to check it out for us. Um, thanks for listening. You can follow us on Local 219 across all platforms. And I think the only one that's different is Twitter. It's Local underscore 219. Um, so, again, Mark, thanks for coming in, and uh, we'll talk to you. Thanks. Later. <laughs>